When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. It's December 21st, 2019, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. She's as festive as Michael Bublé with added cleavage and sass, and yet for decades the Christmas number one slot had eluded... Mariah Carey but that all changed on this day in 2019 when 25 years after its initial release All I Want for Christmas is You the Christmas standard that literally nobody hates finally reached the top of the Billboard Hot 100 and that achievement is even more remarkable given the fact that the Christmas number one is not really a thing in the US and in fact this was the only Christmas song to top the Billboard Hot 100 since 1958 when the Chipmunks spent four weeks at number one with the Chipmunks song. It also broke the record for highest charting holiday song by a solo artist, the most streamed track on Spotify within 24 hours brackets female and the <laughs> most weeks in the UK singles top 10 chart for a Christmas song. So 2019 was a good year for Mariah Carey and this song in particular. Although, of course, it wasn't a good year for Mariah Carey in every other way. Was it? <laughs> well, true. That's the really bizarre thing about the revival of this song is that she, yeah, she's fashionable at this time of year in exactly the same way as Michael Bublé, right? But the rest of the year, yes, she sort of does hip hop. And yes, she sort of has credibility amongst people that grew up in the 90s. But really, like, her histrionic singing style hit its peak when she did in the mid-90s. And her style feels like overkill. Mm. Ungapach is the Yiddish word for it. <laughs> At any other time of the year, apart from Christmas. I feel like that's the secret sauce here. You can't over-sing at Christmas. Well, the funny thing was that famously she thought that it was too early in her career to be taking on a Christmas album of which this was a part. You would have expected perhaps for her to come at it maybe at this point in her career, you know, once she's sort of the Mm. grand dame of uh, R&B and pop. But at the time when she recorded it, she was sort of thinking is this the wrong move for a 24-year-old? Yeah, and even more so given that this was a time when new Christmas classics were really thin on the ground. Not so much in the UK Cliff Richard was keeping the home fires burning. We'd had the Pogue, Shaken Stevens, but in the US... Wham! Don't leave Wham out the list. Well, it's interesting that you say that because that's why I was... It's it's vital that I say that. That's exactly (laughs) what I was going to say. In the US, when Mariah released All I Want for Christmas in 1993, it had been nine years since the last big Christmas hit, and that was Last Christmas, Mm. which was a hit Mm. on both sides of the Atlantic for Wham. Mm. But a lot is made of the style of the song you know it's kind of Phil Spector Wall of Sound 1960s revival thing no one else was making songs like this at the time 
I'm not really sure that's true because I grew up in the 90s and the 60s revival was a big thing in the 90s. Like we had Britpop and we had Austin Powers. So what was so different about this, really? I think she just totally aced it. Yeah. I read a quite in-depth article by a musical theorist called Adam Ragusea. Yeah, who, did that make you feel learned? <laughs> We're well, talking about a three-minute pop song, Arian. Here's the, <laughs> here's what I, you can read Mental Floss. It evidently made him feel learned because he said it had 13 chords where most rock and pop songs have about four chords. It also had this minor subdominant chord. I'm just taking his word for it. <laughs> no, uh, it doesn't. <laughs> in, in, <laughs> putting all of this stuff together evoked that kind of 1940s Judy Garland, Nat King Cole thing, while also the rhythm and the instrumentation yeah. was Motown era. But we're talking about how the song is musically accomplished, but at the time, Carrie herself didn't seem to expect great things from it. This was like a comment that she made at the time of the release of the album. It was definitely a priority for me to write at least a few new songs, but for the most part, people really want to hear the standards at Christmas time, no matter how good a new song is. Mm. She won't be saying that now that her bank account is swollen <laughs> annually by about $500,000 by some estimates. Apparently she's made about $60 million in her career to date. And that's because obviously she's the performer of the song, but she's also the co-writer of the song. And, you know, I genuinely do not want to take away from the fact that Mariah Carey appears by every possible account to have co-written this Christmas anthem. However, it is notable, isn't it, that in every interview she's given for the last 10 years, she very much gives the impression that she did it herself. Mm. Um, and I went digging around, and there is a co-writer, and that man is Walter Afanasyev, who also co-wrote Hero. And it's interesting, because when Mariah Carey talks about writing those other big ballads from the 90s, she credits him. But she tells the story of... I mean, it links to our episode yesterday, because she says she put on It's a Wonderful Life in the house and got into the Christmas mood and sat down at the keyboard and wrote the song and neglects to mention that the man pressing the keys <laughs> was Walter Afanasyev. Um It's really bizarre. But they've fallen out about it. And in 2019, on this day when it finally reached number one, Afanasyev tweeted to say, this song that I co-wrote has got to number one. How exciting, or words to that effect. Um, and, of course, the, the Carey fandom, they call themselves Lambs, all jumped on him and basically told him he hadn't written the song. Wow. Um, it's a really, really weird corner of the internet where he then had to give an interview to say, like, people are threatening my life wow. because I'm saying that... I, like, he's had the royalties from this song <laughs> since 1993, but there are deniers of this fact because it doesn't, you know coincide with St. Mariah. Well, maybe it was a bit too little too late, in part because, at the time, apparently he didn't much like the song. Apparently... Oh, everyone didn't like it at the time. <laughs> he told Business Insider in a 2013 interview, my first reaction was, that sounds like someone doing vocal scales. Are you sure that's what you want? I'm like, <laughs> isn't that a criticism that could be l like levelled at any Mariah song? Yeah. How did he have the tolerance to write three albums with her? <laughs> I think another secret to its success, especially against some of the other songs on that Mariah Carey album, one of them literally starts with, Jesus! <laughs> Jesus! Is that it is noticeably un-Jesus-y. Um, yeah. There's a reference to Saint Nick. That's as religious as it gets. And I think that coupled with the fact it's a love song, so and a non-gendered love song, anyone can listen to it and think, you know, it doesn't matter what religion you are, it doesn't matter what gender you are, and identify with an upbeat love song you can dance to. 
And so the reason that it took so long to get to number one is not that suddenly in 2019, everyone experienced an overwhelming wave of enthusiasm for this 25-year-old song. Although that is what you feel when you press play. Oh, my one <laughs> Christmas is you. <laughs> well, this is more of a side effect of what I would call the Mr. Brightside phenomenon, which is the rejigging of the charts to allow for both song purchases and even more importantly, streaming. Mm. After all, you can only buy a CD once, right? So if you've bought Mariah Carey's Christmas album, you might play it every single year, but that's never going to be counted in the charts again. Oh, I imagine Whereas- if my CD... CD purchases from 1994 still counted towards the chart. <laughs> There'd be a lot of culture beat and ace of base. That's well, I mean, it was pretty controversial at the time when the charts announced that they were going to take into account streams. But actually, I think the new method is so much better because it ensures that the charts represent what the country is actually listening to mm. rather than, you know, the tiny percentage of what they're listening to of the things that just came out to buy. So why did you mention Mr. Brightside? Is that what the killers did too? Yeah, Mr. Brightside actually never got to number one. It peaked at number 10 in the UK, I think. Um, but it spent the last five years in the top 100. Wow. Because oh, people just bloody love listening to it. But also maybe it is due to the fact that every year it's sort of got a semi-literal snowball effect, that you're getting more and more <laughs> Mariah. And, and it is the go-to Christmas song. And so it's not surprising that it ends up back in the charts when it's the thing that all the stores are playing it's the thing that you're hearing streamed absolutely everywhere. It's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. But also that voice. But no one else, maybe Christina Aguilera, maybe Whitney Houston, basically no one else mm. sings like Mariah Carey. There's a reason that no one of note has ever covered this song. And that's because you cannot do what she does, right? Yeah. It's like with other Christmas standards, which I think we can call this now, like, mm. I don't know, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. There's 10 different versions, but mm. everyone's listening to this version. There is no other version. There is also a Buble version. Uh, <laughs> there is no other version. <laughs> <laughs> there is actually a Mariah Carey and Justin Bieber version, I believe, from about 10 years ago. But again, I mean, the very fact that Bieber had to have Carey on his version tells yeah. you there is no other version. And as I was looking into this, it kind of got me wondering, what was the last stone-cold, timeless Christmas classic that we had? What? I had two, and they're both from 2013, so I don't know if you guys have any expansion on these. One, Underneath the Tree, Kelly Clarkson. Yes! Yes. I'm so glad you said that. I mean, this is, you can hear the enthusiasm of a man <laughs> yeah. who's depth on magic on Christmas Eve. No, no. <laughs> Out of the whole easy listening playlist from the last 20 years, I genuinely think Underneath the Tree is the only thing that comes close to all of Christmas My you. husband loves it. When he played it for the first time this year, he like looked at me like with enthusiasm, sort of being yeah. like, uh uh-huh. And it's, it is obviously a carbon copy of All I Want for Christmas. It's an attempt to do it, isn't yeah. it? But what's clever about it is they don't try, even with that voice, they don't try and imitate Mariah at the beginning, do they? They don't seduce you. It starts with, you're here, like straight in. But <laughs> yeah. like there's no pissing about. Uh, and the other one, 2013, this is more of a UK-based one, though. The Darkness, Don't Let the Bells End. No, do you know what? Oh. That was like a thousand years ago. I don't think that even counts. It's something like 2000 and six or something it is a thousand like, years I ago. think it's too far away <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> one thousand years go on Leona Lewis one more sleep oh yeah that is oh, yeah that, that but again good. it's like it's like let's do a Mariah isn't it What's yours, Arian? What do they listen to in Australia at Christmas time? We do actually have a bunch of Australianized Christmas carols about, like, oh, if Santa was an Aussie, he would have to wear a cosy costume <laughs> to, to cope with the hot Australian night. And, you know, he'd ride a Subaru from here to Dunny Doo. Like, these kind of. But sort do they of get mock- airplanes? Um, they're the ones that you sing at your like nativity play and so on. I imagine it's a pretty rich theme of content, isn't it? It's like, if this thing associated with Christmas was in yeah. Australia... Yeah, mm. then it'd be all throwing stuff on the barbie. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to get Leona Lewis covering that, though. No. <laughs> Tomorrow. Apparently he also... Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. 
part of the ACAST Creator Network.